Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. Today, I'm speaking to Patrick Akil, software engineer at Zebia, who also happens to run a podcast called Beyond Coding. I asked Patrick to be a guest because I wanted to go into the details of setting up and running a podcast. You might be asked to do this in your developer relations role. There are lots of different parts, and you'll need the support of a team. So if you want to find out the details, let's talk to Patrick. Patrick, welcome to the Fireside with VoxGig podcast. It is great to have you on today. How are things? Great to be here. Things are great. I just did a recording this morning, uh, then did some client work, and now another recording being a guest. I love being a guest, so happy to be here. Awesome. And uh, of course, you are a professional. Well, you do podcast hosting as part of your professional activities. So it's one podcast host to another. Let's see if we can outcompete on interruptions and questions. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I'm suffering a little bit of envy because you have a really cool microphone set Thank up. Um, I, uh, I've been meaning to buy a new microphone, but I, uh, I did none uh, of it. Everything was given to me. I'm very fortunate and <laughs> lucky yes, to have yeah. this set up. I mean, you could get really into the technical side of it. Uh, you could, I mean, when, when I started doing it, it was just the microphone on my laptop and press record and hope. Yeah. <laughs> but then you I start. Hope is not a strategy it. anymore. <laughs> no, hope is not a strategy. Uh, okay. Let's, let, let's, let's kind of rewind a bit and take it from the top to set some context for the listeners. Um, so first of all, where do you work? What does your company do and why do they care about podcasts? Yeah. So I work at Xebia. It's a consultancy company and I work in the software development unit. So Xebia does software development consultancy, business transformation, cloud. Specifically, we have a Microsoft service line. So it's actually quite broad. And I joined the organization about almost five years ago, which is quite a long time ago. Uh, and in the middle of the pandemic, we had a new person responsible for marketing from our software development mm. unit. And one of the core values of Xebia is knowledge sharing. You can see that and throughout history, a lot having to do with blog posts that the people create. We also get time for that. So time off of consultancy, uh, a lot having to do with knowledge sharing, bi-weekly sessions where we come together, the whole organization in person at the office. Uh, and we have kind of a mini conference, mini meetup where people share what they've learned. Um, and also on video content, you would see that. Now his idea was, podcast would be a great platform to also share knowledge on. He's not a podcast person, he said, and he said, I'm looking for a host that really has a vision, uh, someone to drive this forward, and I'll facilitate whatever you need. Uh, and those last few words, I was like, me, me, pick me, yes, because I'd been <laughs> listening to podcasts and never imagined myself having a seat at the table, but it sounded like a lot of fun. If someone says, I'll help you get up and running, and we're going to do this together, I was like, yeah, then I can do this. because." Starting from scratch for me always sounds like a hurdle. Uh, I see many, many problems getting to a, a level of quality where I want to be and starting from zero. Uh, but because his help really just encouraged me, gave me energy, I said yes to this thing. Uh, and immediately we started brainstorming about, okay, what do we need? We need a jingle, obviously. That was one of the first, <laughs> my first idea was like, we yes. need a jingle. Um, my vision for the podcast is I wanted to do it in English, uh, not in Dutch, by the simple reason of, uh, if we get really, really popular, I don't want to be bounded by the language that we speak in. 
and I want my English to get better and better. Not my Dutch, just because of international reach. And I wanted to talk about the technical but not too technical side of software development, uh, which is also why we coined the name Beyond Coding. It was between Beyond Coding and Suits and Hoodies, uh, and we actually have sample art. I'll, maybe I'll share it to you <laughs> so you can put it in the show notes. But Beyond Coding is what it was after we did a poll through uh, our unit. There's and so that's much. Really what uh, the, sorry, go ahead. There's so much to unpack there, but sorry, go on. I have lots of questions. No, no problem. I was going to say Beyond Coding is really what emphasizes the topics as well. Very early on, you could see the topics were more so software related. So we had how do you balance speed and delivery when you're creating software? Or what is quality when we're talking about software? And how do you see that through what pillars, internal or external? And now we're talking more and more on the Beyond Coding side, more on the soft skills side, things about entrepreneurship, content creation, product development, product vision, people that have started from a software engineering position and moved their way upwards and for example now have a tech lead role or a ceo role there's a lot of topics to unpack kind of in this landscape uh, and i love talking about people that have a passion within this field because i think those make for great conversations and i'm very fortunate to be able to share those conversations as well awesome stuff first of all let me say you have a wonderful voice for podcasting. thank you you should be on radio <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Only after I started podcasting did people let me know my voice was beautiful. <laughs> Before I was just like, I was like any other. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's, it's uh, yeah, you're definitely in the right game for sure. I think Thank it's you. interesting that you had uh, senior leadership support from day one. Hmm. Because a lot of uh, people who work in developer relations have a challenge convincing leadership of the value of what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so it's really cool to hear that a, a, a senior leader was able to understand the value of this type of activity and this type of content uh, and promote it within the organization and make it happen. Um, but were you expected to start delivering on audience metrics straight away? Uh, no. Were you allowed to grow it organically over time? I mean, you know, the very first episode of any podcast Yay, I've got five listeners. Right? <laughs> <laughs> tell us, Absolutely. yeah, tell us tell us about that because the institutional support that you had and the time and space to grow are things that in a way are almost a little unusual. Mm. Yeah. I think I, I've had the fortune that the organization values entrepreneurial efforts. So starting something up is I think more so easier to do because you start with an idea and then all of a sudden it becomes a process. And the longer this process takes, the more people are going to look into the resources. I get four hours a week to do one episode. We release on a weekly frequency. That was one of my kind of priorities as well as kind of demands. I was like, the only way I'm going to do this is if we can release weekly because I'm a listener first and I don't like listening to biweekly things. I think then I kind of forget about it. And weekly is just at least for my personal preference is a good cadence. So that is also what I wanted to uphold. But then you have weekly, um, yeah, I'm not billable. I, I cost internal hours rather than uh, working for a customer or even some customers might think, well, I only get Patrick for an X amount rather than someone that is full-time. Does that make sense? But from an organizational side, I always had support from my manager and we kind of have a flat hierarchy. So un immediately above him is the Dutch managing director. Um, I did have to have conversations that I only get four hours and to do this well and to keep improving my personal time was kind of, yeah, 
how do you say that I was stretched with regards to my bandwidth. Yeah, um, I did, yeah. for example, outreach to people I did the uh, figuring out what the topic would be the recording, then I got the four hours and I always get help with that I have Rolf, my producer in the back, you can't see him, but he's always there. Hey, Rolf. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did the editing by myself as well as kind of releasing. And to do that and to do that weekly, that was quite a time investment. So more so recently, I think just a bit over a year ago, I took on the conversation with my manager as well as the, the Dutch managing director. And then the question was like, okay, well, we have X amount of subscribers. Why is it not tenfold? Why is it not 20 fold? What would you need to do that? And I was like, well, that's, that's really hard to say, right? To promise on audience metrics, to promise on delivering of listeners and subscribers in that way is very hard to make estimates on and to promise delivery on. But I did say, if I get this with regards to budget, I can get someone to edit. Rolt actually also edits because it makes sense. And this is what we can do. We can increase the quality of the content because I've always advocated for the content quality is king, right? Whether it's marketing purpose recruitment, whether it's sales related, whether it's just knowledge sharing, which is the essence of the episodes we create. If the quality is good, then the people will find it. I think especially nowadays where there's abundance of information, you can find information. It's very easy. It's at the, at your fingertips, just grabbing your phone. I have two phones, so double the information. I don't quite know, but what people are looking for is quality. So as long as we focus on the quality and keep making better episodes, then the listeners and the good things will come. That mantra is not just only from me, but it's from my manager and it's a belief within the company as well. Um, so that really helps with regards to starting this up and making it sustainable and resilient. There's two points out of that, uh, especially for any, any audience members who are thinking about, oh, let's, let's do a podcast. Uh, first of all, it's a, it's a hell of a lot of work, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a team. You have a team, right? It's, it's, and I know people who do it as individuals, and that's tough. Yeah. Uh, and a sub point of that is the weekly cadence or the regular cadence is super important to audience retention. Yeah, because if you don't, you've just described your personal experience of you lose interest in podcasts that don't come out on a regular basis because, you know, you get used to, oh, it's Tuesday morning, right? So today I'm listening to X. And if you don't come out on Tuesday morning, every Tuesday. You're gone, forgotten. Yeah, the, the habit doesn't get formed, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's really hard. It's like publishing a newspaper right it's you have a hard hard deadline in software all deadlines are negotiable right you, <laughs> you're a consultant you know this right i, I absolutely I, I, i'm a consultant too right so of course you can you can you know you have time scope and and requirements you can adjust all of those things yeah but if you have to have a podcast ready at 8 a.m on tuesday morning no it's it's like no. a newspaper it has to be there uh yeah. so it's it's a lot of hard work and it's a big organizational commitment um the other interesting thing is, uh, have you ever heard of this, this term from developer relations called uh, DQLs, developer qualified leads? No, I haven't heard of that. Uh, so this is, uh, this is the idea that uh, developer engagement and community building generates business because mm. influential developers in potential clients will advocate. They may not be uh, sales champions, they may not be decision makers, but they're key influencers. Yeah. Um, so although, uh, you know, I guess on the surface, your leadership might be interested in 
absolute listener numbers. I would hope, and you can tell me, because uh, this is certainly my experience, that uh, the quality of the audience also matters. And somebody who listened to you all of last year, six months later, their boss has a new project. Who will be, where do we find a partner for the project? Yeah. Oh, the Xevia guys, you know, they're really good. I have to be listening to this podcast. Uh, so does your organization even track that, right? Are you even able, because lots of people can't or don't, it's really hard. It is hard to, hard to track that. What they do do is, well, I'm a, I'm a consultant and I'm also a trainer. So they put more emphasis on this brand building and also in combination with working together with organizations. It's not just the supply and demand situation. We're looking for partnerships. And part of a partnership can also be creating content together, showing the outside world that there is an emphasis on engineering efforts at these companies, both Xebia as well as any other partners. And the podcast and a platform building a community like that can be a great out. How do you say that? Can be a great platform to do so in that way. That is what we do know. And what I sometimes hear, or um, I've also been recognized in kind of this tiny sphere that I operate in, whether it's giving a training or attending a training, um, being recognized is definitely one of the identifiers that the podcast is working, right? Whether it be word of mouth, whether you've seen a LinkedIn post through another person that liked an episode because a specific guest was on, that does show that people know the podcast kind of within this sphere in meetups or at conferences, and people therefore also know the organization that is sponsoring this. They know that within this organization, it's possible to set this thing up, which has been running for over two and a half years now. That is no small feat anymore. And I'm no. quite proud of that. No, no. Uh, well done, right? <laughs> Thank it, you. Especially in, in, in larger organizations, right? Where you have to keep adjusting to priorities and new strategies and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But the longer you keep it going, the more episodes you have, the more valuable it gets. Right. I think so. Each, yeah. each, each week, right. It's, sustaining it is part of what gives it value. Uh, I have to ask Patrick, did you do uh, drama or theater or something like that before? Is there something in your background or are you, you're a first time or first time performer? <laughs> I, I think what has allowed me to do this and start with a maybe higher than average base level of quality is I've always been a listener. I like listening. I'm genuinely curious. And if you go back to episode number one, I, I could not speak as eloquently now. I still re-listen to myself and be like, man, you have like similar words that you always reuse or you interject where it's not supposed to matter, or you just slice up a new topic when some stuff was left unlistened, let's say. Um, but I keep improving. The funny thing is, if I were to talk to myself 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I, they wouldn't have believed me, a younger version of myself, because I always avoided giving presentations. I still get nervous sometimes mm. giving presentations. You know, when you are new with colleagues and you have to do this round of, okay, uh, how long have you been here? Where are you from? Introduce yourself. My, my heart pounds. And I know it. I, I check my pulse because I'm going to get nervous. And when I do do my delivery, no one knows I'm nervous, but internally, like, I don't yeah. like being in that yeah. situation. So do you do conference talks and that type of stuff as well? I, or not? I do conference talks yeah. as well. I want to do more. Like, I've, I've not done many. Um, I've recently given a talk at a university and already there when they said, oh, the amount of people is going to be 60. I was like, man, 60 is a, is a big number. <laughs> <laughs> and they're real, right? They're not behind yeah, a microphone exactly. now. <laughs> you yeah. yeah, you don't have a producer to fix things. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and then 
I do it and I get so much fulfillment out of it. It takes a lot of energy out of me. Like I have to recharge, but it's just an amazing experience. Like I was walking away then from their campus and I was like, okay, this is me time. I have to recharge. And then they yeah. were like, oh, I just, I just came to your talk and I have a few more questions. I was like, ah, back into it. <laughs> it's the adrenaline, right? It's yeah. like, it, it gets addictive. It gets addictive for sure. It does. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, but there must've been, I, I, I'm trying to do a psychotherapy mm -hmm. here or psychoanalysis. Yeah. Why was it, why was it you? How come it's, you have lots of colleagues, right? Yeah. How come it ended up being you? Was this a transition point in your career? Something, mm -hmm. you, obviously, obviously you were a podcast enthusiast, but yeah. that's, that's different from being a host. I get, I get what you're saying. I'm just trying to pinpoint what it exactly was. Maybe I've, I've started out from uni and I went into operations and there I was taught to take initiative. When you want to make something happen, you build up relationships and you do it together, right? You pick up the phone rather than sending someone a message or an email, because if you really want to get stuff done, you have to do it together. You have to collaborate. And then I joined CBIA, this organization where I did not have kind of their, their I didn't meet their barrier of entry. They were looking for people with four or five years of work experience. And I only had two, one of which barely one was software engineering. So just by virtue of getting in there um, and knowing the barrier of entry, I know how I got in now. But back then I was like, this must have been a mistake. Like, I don't know why I feel very fortunate. And that goes hand in hand, the feeling of not belonging with imposter syndrome. So I tried really, really hard any client assignment that I would have to find what my value was, right? Mm. Because if my value is not the technical expertise, then it must be, it must be something. So I always put emphasis on trying to be really good at the technical side, as well as anything having to do with team productivity. If I felt like our communication or our transparency, or, or we needed more information, I would advocate for that. I would fight for that. And I would try and get that. If there was a clash or a conflict within team members, I wouldn't avoid it. I would try and mediate it. I would try and help wherever I could. Um, I even took up the, the Scrum Master mantle. For example, when I had a lot of conflicts with how things were happening on a Scrum related basis in our team, it was always, now that I'm looking back, more so working with people, more that communication side. And I think maybe there is also where I got better and better at communicating what I was thinking in a way. Within CBA, we're also expected to work on our personal authority. And I never knew what that was. I still don't really know what that is. But when that opportunity came, I was like, for me, many people were going to jump on it. And I wanted to be the first. So immediately after that call, the person from marketing set that in a call with 50 or 60 of my colleagues, they asked and no one replied. And I was like, everyone's going to send them a message because replying in this, like where, anyone, where everyone is listening, might not be a good idea. It's kind of scary. So I immediately sent him a message after, and I was like, please let's do this. Yeah. Cause I have an idea. <laughs> I have a vision and I think I can pull it off. Like I genuinely think this could be fun. I never thought about long-term consequences. Maybe that's one of my faults, but I really wanted to try this. And it was always experimental in my mind. If no one was going to listen, I wasn't going to do it. If I didn't enjoy it, I wasn't going to do it. If my colleagues said, well, it's not as good as the podcasts that are out there. I wasn't going to do it. And the overwhelming feedback of positivity, I was like, man, you're not seeing all these flaws. And people were like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like the, the essence is there and it's solid and it's going to yeah. keep growing. 
Uh, so that's basically, I think, what helped me do it as long as, for as long as I have. That is, uh, that, that's a really inspiring origin story. It's Thank funny. <laughs> it's very, it, I, because I, I speak to a lot of developer advocates on this podcast, of course, and a lot of them have similar stories in that they kind of discover that they have a passion for communication, mm. not just engineering, but, uh, well, evangelizing, I guess, but helping their colleagues, communicating, building communities, um, you know, they, they discover they get a sense of fulfillment from that in addition to the engineering side of things. Yeah. Uh, well, since uh, some of our audience might be wondering, how do I set up a podcast? Let's, let's go back to the logistics side of things for a minute. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it is hard work, right? And you said you have been only given four hours, which that's not a lot for it's one not episode. A lot. It's not that's a lot. True. Um, well, here's the, I mean, here's, here's the first kind of question. How do you source guests? Where do you get them from? How do you approach them? How does yeah. that process happen? Yeah, I'll start out because I I got help in the beginning. Sourcing guests and finding guests was, was not my responsibility back then. Now it is. Uh, and now it's also easier because people come to me. What I'm looking for within a guest is I have to see if they've put out any type of content, whether it's written form or they've talked at a conference, something like that. Or what I really rely on is references from previous guests. But when you're just starting out, I think relying on the content that someone has been putting out there and just reaching out, I think is already enough to have an initial conversation. I get to know each other. That is really where I get my most value. I start with kind of the story of the podcast. It's beyond coding and the name sometimes throws the people off. The people I uh, reach out to that are a bit more beyond beyond coding, let's say. Uh, but in any case, I talk to them and I say, okay, this is my vision. On the one hand, we have more technical topics. On the other hand, topics that are further away from there. And in there, I find people with a certain passion about something. What are you passionate about? And then people think and they say, that's a good question or that's a hard one. And we talk about their passion. And from the way someone talks about their passion, I can see if this is going to be a genuine, authentic conversation in depth about what they're enthusiastic about. And the passion has to be kind of a driver for me, curiosity wise. Now that last one is really important. And it's also an easy one for me because I am just innately curious. I've always had that as a kid. How do things work? Why do people do the things they do? And why are things the way they are? And to have the opportunity to, to then ask that to someone sitting across from me that is super passionate about that and wants to explain everything, that is just a match made in heaven in that way. So that is how I find guests. I don't like doing the outreach part. I don't like setting up the intro calls and the scheduling. Like I like the conversation. That is where my passion lies. But to be able to do that, I have to do the scheduling. I have to do the <laughs> Oh man, the scheduling. The scheduling is fun, right? I mean, I think I think we had our own fun with scheduling yeah, yeah. this one, right? Uh, oh boy. That's yeah, that's a fun side to it. Did yeah. they did you get any training? Did you ask for any training? Uh, you know, people do kind of uh, media training, but it's usually to be interviewed by mm. Uh, journalists, whereas what we do is kind of the opposite, right? We interview people. So did, did you get any help that way or did you learn as you went? I mostly learned as I went. We do get a study budget, which is quite significant year after year and you're, you're expected to finish that. And I did notice I never spent my study budget on like technical topics, uh, how to do X, Y, and Z. It was always more so leadership related or framework related where communication was an aspect. 
So maybe I've got some media components here and there. Um, but yeah, my training budget always went to kind of interacting, more theory. Also, I've, I've done a, a training actually, which was insight and influence, where we did a lot of role playing and you had to assert a, a certain kind of influence style, whether you're just being argumentative or you're just asking questions to really see and test the limits of having a certain goal and only having one style. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And I think I realized throughout that I could, I could recognize some patterns here and there. Information is always anchored, but it just adds to having a perspective, which then makes you a better conversationalist. I do think the biggest learning was by editing my own episodes because I was listening to myself and I was saying, you're saying the same thing over and over again. Feedback would be like, oh, that's one of your keywords. You always do that. And I'm like, not yeah. anymore because I hate hearing <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And I would try and improve genuinely and with intent. Yeah, you have to. I mean, there's, there's one little thing that you have to get very used to if you, if you host a podcast is the sound of your own voice. Oh, yeah. Which I'm still yeah. not used to. It still makes me <laughs> you still get this horrible more. feeling, right? <laughs> it's so yeah. weird, isn't it? It's just because listening to yourself on a recording is uh, really strange. It what is. do you do, Patrick? What do you do if you get a guest? And sometimes it's just because they're super enthusiastic uh, that will not stop talking. Yeah, that's a hard one. And I've had that. The, let's say the, the most extreme example of that, I had to have a conversation and say, well, the podcast, I also want to uphold a certain level of quality. And I think because of this episode and the way we interacted, it was not a conversation. It was more so a presentation or like a conference talk. And I think that's going to take away from the conversation and the essence I want this to be. Uh, I had a conversation with that person and I said, well, we have two options. I would like to do it again. That, that is one of the options. Or if you feel like you've invested everything and we can't do this right, we, we can part ways in that way and we don't have to air the episode. It was a hard wow. call. That's like I, a, I, that's, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I talked to Rolt about it. I talked to a lot of people about it. I'm like, this is the thing. I let people listen also to get kind of feedback. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was only once also in this, in this legacy of 130 plus episodes. But that was the one case where I had to be like, like, this is what I think is below quality. Like it was hard. I wanted to interrupt and they took the conversation back. Like, and you can only do that so many times. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, I think as the producing part, you do reserve the, um, the right to say, well, we don't want to air this episode. As I give the, the opportunity to every guest that I have on as well, um, I also say we don't edit the episode. I like this free flow of conversation. It's exactly what I have with my podcast as well. Uh, but once, for example, I asked a question to someone and she was working at one of the bigger tech companies and it was about recruitment and her genuine opinion. And she only wanted to give, give it to me. She said that in the conversation. I can only give this if we stop the recording right here. <laughs> and that completely took me out of the conversation. Yeah, and that was yeah. the one part where we actually had to, yeah, like strip that out. Yeah, post-production, man. That's, yeah. uh, that's what it's for, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to do it, but yeah, it was kind of, yeah. I didn't have a choice. No, and, and, you, and you got it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's all these, you learn all these interesting little challenges as they, as they come up. Um, mm -hmm. and, have you and, had that as well, by the way, before we, uh, before we move on, have you had a conversation where you were like, this was, uh, this was a hard one. What do I do now? Yeah, I, I, so I like to have a wide range of guests. Um, mm. And in, sometimes people that don't have much experience or haven't been on a podcast before. Yeah. Um, and the challenge there is uh, the opposite. 
where they're so nervous that they they have they're a very interesting person but their answers are maybe one sentence yeah or literally yes or no now maybe that's <laughs> on me for asking closed questions of course fair point um i've had some successes where about halfway through you you kind of get them relaxed and then then you can really start talking and uh you know then then it starts working a bigger mm. challenge is i think is much similar to your one where uh the person who is very experienced has a has treats it like a media interview and they have a set of standard pre-scripted yeah. responses they know how to do the segue where you ask a question and they just answer the question that they wanted you to ask right yep Which, they, you know, they do the very whole very special people could do that easily yeah um, and that's very frustrating because in a conversational style like we're having now, right, uh, you, you want to ask questions about the person as well and their real experiences in life and how did they, how did you end up doing podcasts? And But if somebody's just got a standard response, then it's like talking almost to a machine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the challenge, <laughs> the most difficult ones are the really experienced people who do it all the time. And how do you how do you get behind the shield, right? Yeah. How do you get behind the persona to the person? Yeah, uh, I'm not so sure. I'm very successful. Mm. Um, you know, if you think about podcast hosting and you think about people like Joe Rogan, right? Whatever yeah. you think about his politics, but if you analyze his style, he's very good at getting them to lower shields, getting to the person. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a real skill. I agree. It's it's interesting to me that you you take that responsibility, right? And you say, I might not be as good at that yet. Because I see it that way as well. If I don't inform someone sitting across from me that this is not an interview, but it's more so a conversation. If I don't say those sentences, or if you have the feeling you're talking too long, you might be talking too long. And if you drop the ball, don't worry, I'll pick it back up. Uh, and it's a conversation. I look at myself when I forget to do that or I haven't put enough emphasis on that because that makes it into the episode and I've only had to have that conversation once with someone that I was like this is this is really really bad in my eyes quality wise uh below average I would say because I want to incrementally up the average quality wise but I do look at myself and think of how do I improve that how do I get people to lower their guards and to have an open conversation one of the things yeah. I do nowadays is the recording's already running. We don't have a three, two, one start. Just we just talk about food, where you live <laughs> from, where have you traveled, and then okay. I will flow yeah. into the topics we discussed. And people are like, "Wow, interesting. it interesting. just happened." <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, let's you know, let's talk about logistics again. So, yeah. uh, my approach, which you would have just experienced, is um, I always allocate fifteen to twenty minutes initially. That's not recorded. That's just conversation to make people relaxed. Yeah. Um, and then we start. So you just start recording straight away. Interesting. Yeah, um, I I do have an intro call. So the part you do before this recording, I do that do in a advance. separate call. Ah, I do a separate call. Okay. That's also why I said, "Is this the call?" You we you and I had an email exchange. I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Is this the intro call yeah. or the actual recording?" <laughs> you just doubled the work. You just doubled the work. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> no, I, but you I, find it useful, right? You you like absolutely. To have, yeah, you like to it's have it. it's become a non-negotiable. I have, I've had people that have said to me, I've done many podcasts, I can do it one way. And I'm like, I cannot. I've tried that. And it sometimes has been more a disaster. 
And I, I do not want that. I want from both sides to know this is kind of what we're getting into. Because I, I do think all podcasts have this unique kind of magic. And for you to understand that and actually, I mean, put more so emphasis on what podcast am I in, we have to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. How's this going to go? And I love asking. You, sometimes it makes it in the recording. How was this podcast compared to any other one you've done? And then they give me the honest truth. And because that's at the end of the conversation, I get so much valuable feedback, uh, criticism or praise, hopefully most of the time praise, uh, about the podcast <laughs> and the way we do it. I think that's valuable. Criticism, of course, is ironically more useful, right? Yeah, yeah. That's also, uh, I'm like, tell me something bad. <laughs> well, I, so I, well, I apologize for saying, yeah, what meeting if we're just going to do it. So sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. I'm happy uh, to, happy to oblige. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for sharing all of this insight and your journey as well. Um, it's really, really inspirational. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm very impressed by your bravery dealing with difficult guests. Uh, thank you so much. That's yeah, that, that's that, that can be very difficult. Um, I shall uh, I shall look forward to listening to yours as well. Uh, thank you so much. That's Thanks be, for uh, having that's me on my on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to get your feedback as well. Yes, it's absolutely. Good for absolutely. the criticism as well. And thank you so much for having me. You've said yeah. inspirational twice, maybe three times. Uh, and that just warms my heart. I think I'm, I can go home with a big happy smile on my face and nothing can break my day anymore. <laughs> awesome. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up some voice trainers because um, <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> All right, Patrick, take care. Good luck. Thank, thank you so you. much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See ya. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.